Well, good afternoon, good morning, and good evening, whatever time of the day it is that you're listening to this program. Welcome to Philadelphia Eagles Talk with Jeff. And folks, let me first start off the program by apologizing because I forgot to mention at the end of my last podcast that I was going to be leaving for the weekend and thus uh, certainly would not be able to uh, – there we go, right on cue, there goes the phone um, – would not be able to do a post game in a timely fashion uh, after the season opener. And for that, I apologize for those of you who are anxious to hear my take on the Eagles opening victory against the Patriots, 25-20. to So my apologies for that. Forgot to mention that. And believe me, I've been itching to get back. Uh, I got back today from New York. I was in upstate New York visiting family. And I've been itching to get my thoughts out about this uh, about this game. And it's probably a good thing that I did have a few days to kind of, or a couple days at least, to kind of simmer down now, as they say, because uh, this game, uh, I was very frustrated. For for a season opener, for a game that, you know, it's the first game of the year, I was, I don't know about you, I want to hear your thoughts, so make sure you email us at the show. Let me know your thoughts, okay? Uh, I'm really interested in what your thoughts are in this opener. I'm going to tell you mine because I've got a lot to say about this game. A lot. Um, but uh, let me give you the uh, email address for the show. It is petwgp at gmail.com. Again, email us your thoughts or questions or whatever you may uh, want to email. Uh, we're glad to hear from you at petwgp at gmail.com. All right, so... This game, to me, it really felt like a loss. At the end of the game, I know the Eagles won. They held on. But it felt like a loss. I know we got the win. But I was so beyond frustrated to the point where I was screaming at the TV at times. Uh... And I'll get to the reasons why uh, during the fourth quarter, especially. But this game felt like a loss to me. I know the Eagles won, and a win is a win, as they say. Every win is is tough to get, and you'll take in the NFL, no doubt about it. Ask all those teams that lost in the opening weekend. But this game felt like a loss. I can't remember a win. It's probably been some time. And maybe it's never felt to this level that I can recall anyway, but I'm sure it probably has happened in my 40-plus years of being an Eagle fan. But this game, even though the Eagles won, felt like a loss. It had all the feelings of a loss, all the disappointments of a loss, except for the final score, except for the fact that the Eagles scored more points than the Patriots. But really, when you get right down to it, offensively, this game was Jake Elliott, who deserves all the props in the world because not only did he make kicks, critical kicks that the Eagles obviously needed because they couldn't score. We'll get to that. 
he made tough kicks. A couple of them were over 50 yards. One of them was 56 yards. And we're talking about in bad weather. It's not like it was a nice day in Massachusetts. It was rainy, pouring rain in the first half. And just not, you know, an ideal environment to be kicking 50-yard field goals. And Jake split it right down the middle uh, a few times. A couple over 50, like I said. And, um, you know, he kicked a couple more, I believe, right? Or he kicked one more. But anyway, uh, so props to Jake Elliott, who is the star of the game. Absolutely is the star of the game. And for once, the special teams won us a game. Now, I don't know how often they're going to be able to say that this year because, to me, the special teams are the weakness of this team. That's the most concerning area of the three, offense, defense, special teams, of the three cogs of the wheel. Um, special teams is my biggest concern. Not because of Jake Elliott, by the way. He's the strength of the special teams. It's the coverage. It's the punting. It's the return game. Those three are serious concerns for me. Not Jake. Jake is the only plus. And, but, you know, get into all the pluses and minuses and the up, thumbs up, thumbs down type stuff of the game. But uh, the special teams stood out. And that's all the way around. Uh, even the punting, you know, he didn't do too bad, Sipas. He did okay. The return game, okay, pretty decent. You know, Covey had one pretty good return. We caught it to five and took it out to about the 25. So that was pretty good. And then their coverage was pretty good. You know, there was no breakaways or anything like that. So not too bad. Not too bad. And they were the standout. So when, you know, when the special team is the standout, it's probably not overall going to be a good game for the Eagles. And that is definitely the case here. I have major issues with the offense, especially. And, um, now, before I really dig into it, the Eagles got to win, right? So they needed to win these games. Like I said, early on in the season, the Eagles must win these games. So if they slipped up, and that's why I was so on edge during this game, because I know how important, I've talked about it in past podcasts, how important it is for the Eagles to win these games early on in the season that are winnable. But this also gets back the way the Eagles played. Let me, let me take a step back here. The way that the Eagles played in this game just gives me more credence, more, uh, I guess, evidence. I don't know if that's the right word, but I guess it is. Of the fact that the Eagles, and you guys know that I was critical of Sirianni and the Eagles organization in general to play their starters during the regular uh, preseason. Play the starters during the preseason. You don't have to play them long, but get them in there. And this Eagles team under Sirianni, and even before him, I think Doug even barely played his starters. I think he did, though, at least a little bit. But Sirianni doesn't play his starters at all. The only ones that I recall playing this year were like N'Kobe Dean, which made a lot of sense, so at least he knew to do that because the guy has not started yet in this league, and they did get him some reps in the preseason. And obviously Jordan Davis and and, um, and Jalen, you know, both got some playing time. So, you know, you got, you got some of that in there, 
But otherwise, all of the offensive starters didn't play. By the way, when I said Jalen, I meant Jalen Carter, of course, not Jalen Hurts, because that's my point. Nobody on offense played. Now, do I care so much that, like, the Jason Kelseys or the Lane Johnsons of the world have to play? No. No, no, no. Not talking about those starters. Those guys have been in the league for 10 years plus. They don't need to take a single snap in the preseason. Not talking about those starters. But the other starters, I absolutely am talking about, especially quarterback and the wide receivers and the tight ends. So Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, the other offensive line, they should have started at least a quarter during the preseason. At least, minimum. Probably a couple quarters, but at least one quarter. At least a full quarter. Or at least, let's just say, two or three series during the preseason. Full series of downs in the preseason. If I was coach, that's what I would do. And the reason for that is exactly what we just saw, not only by the Eagles this past weekend, but by many other teams who do the same thing. The Bengals. They were a sloppy mess. The Burrow, he had threw for under 100 yards. Joe Burrow, what's the reason for that? You can't tell me there's not a link between them not playing at all during the preseason and suddenly starting an entire game, uh, you know, once the season gets going. And there's other teams that struggle. Look at the Giants. I mean, I don't follow these teams as closely as the Eagles, obviously. But uh, and I don't know how long they may have played their starters. But some of these teams did play their starters at least a little bit, maybe a series in the preseason. They weren't like the Eagles didn't play them at all. Maybe some of them did. I'm not sure. Maybe the Bengals didn't play Joe Burrow at all. Um, actually, I know they didn't because he was injured. So I know Burrow didn't play at all. And he definitely looked like he didn't play a single down in the preseason. And the Eagles' offense was completely a mess this entire game, except for the opening drive. That was like the only time the offense looked like they were had any type of uh, consistency and success. And then, you know, the Giants, I don't know how much they played Daniel Jones and their starters. I know Barkley didn't – I don't think he played at all in the preseason. I don't know about Daniel Jones. Like I said, I don't know follow these teams enough, but I know they didn't play a lot because I would know if they played, like, a lot in the preseason. So there's – and there's a lot of other teams, like I said, that struggled right out of the gate here. And Matt and I have talked about when I had Matt in the program, and I know the last program didn't take when I had Matt on it, but we talked again about, you know, that the month of September, since this whole preseason don't start – don't play your starters started across the league several years ago, they have morphed the preseason now into the regular season, where the first month of the year of the season, being September, is the preseason. And this is exactly what we're talking about. And this is exactly what it should not be. You shouldn't be figuring out your team or getting your team going and getting your team ready and, and getting your team football ready, I should say, during regular games. That's what the preseason's for. And all these teams are so f scared of their starters getting injured. Here's the counterpoint that I'll make to that. Do you think, I'm just going to ask this to you guys out there. Do you think 
that a team that's prepared and ready to go at the start of the season would be more or less injury prone than a team that's not prepared and starting for the first time in regular game mode action, hitting, tackling, you know, the whole works of what happens in a football game when it's their first snaps of the year in regular season? When are you more injury prone? I think the answer is obvious. So if I was coach, I would start rethinking this whole, I'm not going to start my starters at all during the preseason. And that was an underlying current of me watching this game. So I already had kind of a built-in frustration going in, knowing and almost expecting maybe that the Eagles get off to another slow start. They did last year, if you remember as well, against the Lions. They started that game off slow and had to come back and win. Now, in this game, they were fortunate enough to get on top early because of a pick six by Slay. You know, they went, they actually had a good opening drive. Like I said, the only real consistent drive they had the entire game was their opening drive. When they marched it all the way down the field, they still didn't score six, which you're obviously hoping for, but they got a Jake Elliott field goal and took a three nothing lead. And then the next series of downs, you know, they get the pick six by Slay. Credit to him, by the way, big play Slay showing up here early, taking it 70 something yards back for a touchdown. Close to 70 yards. I think it might have been 60 something or 70 yards, something like that. Great run, great return, by the way. It wasn't like it was an easy one. So props to Slay. Big play coming up with a nice one. And the Eagles are suddenly up 10 to nothing. And then uh on the on that, actually, no, there was it was nine to nothing, right? Because uh the extra point was missed. The only glitch on his Score sheet was, uh, ironically, Elliott missed the extra point, even though he went on to kick 50 yarders the rest of the game. Um, missed the extra point. And then the Eagles did get another touchdown. Um, again, because of a fumble this time, created by Jordan Davis, by the way, who played great. I have, I have, I'm very happy. There's definitely some pluses in this game, and I'll get to them. Jordan Davis is one of them. We'll give a little preview on that. But Jordan Davis knocks the ball away, creates a fumble. Eagles recovered, and they end up getting a touchdown to Devonta Smith in the corner of the end zone. Got a great pass by Hertz. Put it where only Smith could catch it. And Smith, of course, just doing an amazing job. The guy is incredible getting his feet down uh, with catches. And, and just he's, he's such a good wide receiver. Um so the Eagles early could go up 16 to nothing on the road. And the route is on, right? As I was hoping for, to go down there on Tom Brady Day in New England, or go up there, I should say, Philly's south of uh, Boston. The Eagles go up there and put a stomping on the Patriots. That's what I was hoping for. That's what I expected. They're a much better team than the Patriots. Now, the Patriots and Belichick, obviously, which I knew, which is why I said this game wasn't going to be a blowout, even though I was hoping for it. But I knew it wasn't going to be a blowout because of these concerns that I had that none of the starters played at all because it's early in the season, and we talked about it, you know, that if an upset's going to happen, it's going to happen early in the season. You saw them throughout the league this this past weekend. 
And it almost happened here. Our Eagles almost blew this game that they should easily have won by at least a couple touchdowns. Um, but it was far closer than it should have been, and it's because of the sloppy play and then of the coaching in the second, the fourth quarter, which I'll get to in a minute. But the rest of the game from this point on was an absolute frustration for me, and it was very difficult for me to enjoy any of the rest of this game after the sixteen nothing lead. And it wasn't just because the Eagles were up sixteen nothing, and you know, blah, blah blah. You know, that's one thing. It's just the way that the Eagles were playing. It's what I was witnessing. It was the, um, you know, like I said, combination of sloppiness, the bad coaching, and just being on edge because the Eagles really were shut down and weren't able to do much at all offensively from, you know, I would say midway through the second quarter on. Actually, maybe the whole second quarter. They really only had one quarter of good Eagles football. One. The next three quarters – was like just a frustrating, very frustrating watching that game to the point, like I said, it felt like a loss. And in this game, I felt like the Eagles lost. That's how frustrated I was with how this game ended up. Now the Eagles, like I said, got to win. I am happy they got to win. Okay, I want to obviously put that out there. But I got a lot of concerns and a lot of issues with what I saw in this game, and I'm going to get into them now. So, thumbs up for the game. Positive remarks about the game. I'll get that out of the way first because it's going to be quick. <laughs> There's not a lot. There's not a lot. Offensively, I graded them overall a D. Really should probably be a D-. minus. But I give them a D, and I think the only reason why I'm giving them a D versus an F or a D-. minus is because of the weather. So factoring in the weather and maybe grading on a curve because the weather was not all that great. It was Especially in the first half, it was pouring at times. So it's probably the only reason I'm not giving the offense an F because it's damn close. But overall, I'll give the offense a D for the game. The only standouts that I liked in this game from the offensive point of view was Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. That is it. That is it for offense. That's it. The offensive line played okay. If there was going to give like a, you know, honorable mention, overall the offensive line was okay. Okay to good. I guess I'll, I'll say that. They weren't great, but they were they were pretty good. Defensively, I give the team a C minus. Again, curving on a grade. Because of the weather, they probably would have been gotten a, you know, a D had the weather been, you know, more ideal. Because outside of Slay, who played great, they could have had two picks. Um, he made an amazing breakup play in the game as well, uh, and he also had the pick six. So Slay was was awesome, definitely a plus for Slay himself individually. I thought Reed Blankenship played a really good game. He had one really critical tackle on a uh, kind of a swing pass out to the to the back, and he he you know came in flying in there and, and made a huge tackle because there was really nothing between him and twenty five yards down the if he didn't make that tackle. So I thought Blankenship played pretty well. Other one defensively, not much. I can't really. I mean, other than there's other there's two other guys 
two other guys. And I think you probably know where I'm heading with this one. Jordan Davis, I already mentioned him. I thought Jordan Davis showed me what I'm looking for Jordan Davis to do and how I mentioned how he is so critical to this defense and our linebackers especially because we know they're undersized. And I said they need to clog up the holes up front. They have to have a very solid line up front. And that means Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis, uh, Williams, Williams who played a good game also, and obviously Jalen Carter. Those four guys, as well as the other ends, need to contain the running lanes so that the linebackers can go in there and fin help finish them off. Because if there's holes, we don't know how the Nicobe Deans and the Ellis's and the Cunninghams of the world will hold up trying to make those tackles. So they're undersized, I guess, you know, we know that. But those guys played well. Very, very, very promising start. Very happy to what I saw out of Jalen Carter. He got like six, I think, pressures. As a rookie, six pressures. Got his first sack, and it was a critical sack late in the game. They really needed it. So Jalen Carter, major, major marks for him. Jordan Davis, again, he looked awesome. Probably the best game that I've seen Jordan Davis play. Mo Williams played well. I know he had that one uh, Barnett-like penalty where he, he was kind of tripped and he was falling. And ended up, you know, hitting the quarterback. And they drew a 15, you know. It was a proper call. Not arguing the call. As soon as it happened, I, I even said before the flag even came out, that's going to be a 15-yarder. Sure enough, it was. But you got to be more disciplined or at least, you know, try to make it not look as as bad as it did because he did go low on the quarterback. And every time you do that, regardless if you're pushed or falling or how unintentional it is, they're always going to flag you. So that, uh, that also hurt because that was the drive that they just went right down the field and scored in about two minutes. Um, just a horrible performance defensively in that drive in the fourth quarter, which made this game tight, 20, 25 to 20 uh, at that point. Rest of the defense, there was no pass rush, very little pass rush. Now, to Belichick's credit and the Patriots' credit, they did a good job of getting the ball out. I think I heard today that, uh, Mac Jones ended up with like a 2.6 average uh, of getting the pass out, 2.6 seconds between the snap and getting the ball out. So that's tough to get pressure in less than three seconds. So what the Eagles need to figure out defensively, that's when you make adjustments and start putting do more man pressure and not leaving such a cushion, an easy cushion. There was so much space over the middle in this game. I was, again, so frustrated how wide open these guys were just in crossing lanes in the middle. Wide open. Just, you know, nobody within 10 yards. Um, totally exposing. And if the Eagles don't get that fixed by next week when you got Justin Jefferson coming in here and a much more talented offense by the Vikings, I mean, the Eagles better be. And they don't have a lot of time because it's, you know, the game's Thursday night. Quick turnaround quick when they got to fix this really quickly and address that. I mean, I, they were able to shut down Jefferson last year, and you know he's going to be chomping at the bit to have a little his own personal revenge of how the Eagles were successful against him last year. And he's coming off a 180-game rec uh, <laughs> receiving yard game that he had opening 
weekend. He didn't score either, so he's going to be anxious to get in the end zone. So Slay, glad he's coming off a big game because they're going to need him. He's going to have to, um, you know, he's going to probably be on Jefferson more often than not, I would think, especially since, um, uh, you know, our corners, uh, Bradbury, uh, is probably going to miss the game because of a concussion protocol that he's in right now. I'm not going to have enough recovery time to probably play Thursday night. So uh, Josh Job is going to be the guy covering on the other side there, and they got Addison there. Uh, the the uh, rookie wide receiver who's also dangerous as well. So anyway, we'll talk about all that later, but um, in, a, in a, the pregame podcast, which I'll probably do tomorrow, by the way. So this is going to be uh, back-to-back nights of Philadelphia Eagles talk with Jeff. So make sure you you know listen to this uh, podcast, and you'll probably get another one dropped uh, late tomorrow night before the uh, game there on Thursday. But, you know, just the defense – no pass rush, but again, I think most of that credit goes to just the, you know, Mac Jones getting rid of the ball quickly. Um, but really just not enough. You still got to get some kind of – or hit them or get some kind of pass rush, and there really just wasn't much of any. I think they only had the one sack, uh, and that was um, by uh, by Carter, like we said. So need to do more on that front. And then just the linebacker play I thought was okay. Coverage-wise, was horrible. You know, the underneath stuff was just open all game, and that's where Mac Jones was going. And the Eagles got to figure out, you know, how to do better there for sure. Uh, and, again, you know, I didn't – Justin Evans didn't do anything for me in this game. And so it's like, you know what, can you get Sidney Brown out there? Just put him out there knowing that he's going to have some growing pains – knowing that he's going to probably blow a coverage or two every once in a while or miss a tackle. But it's not like Justin Evans is, you know, a highlight out there right now. I mean, I barely saw him at all, impact-wise. And I just want to see Sidney Brown out there. To me, he's a difference maker. He's a playmaker. He's a phys- he brings some physicality to the game. I just want Sidney Brown out there as soon as possible. I know he's a rookie, and maybe they're – treating him with some kid gloves right now. But to me, just get him out there. Just let him. It's not like you got some pro bowler uh, that's uh, out there right now or or even a, an above-average safety. You got guys that, you know, weren't even really uh, playing or starting the last few years or, or players that teams got rid of. So just put our third-round pick in there. Just let him grow and let him figure it out. Um, because while he's doing so, the guy's going to make some plays whether it's a hard hit, whether it's the energy he just brings to this defense, whether it's uh, his ball-hawking style where he can pick it off. The guy's just a guy you want out there. He brings so many other intangibles other than just his physicality to the game, and you want to have that juice out there. So hopefully that happens sooner than later, you know, because I just think, you know, what are you waiting for, Eagles? You know, just just put him out there. Let him, let him learn. And we'll deal as fans with him, you know, making the occasional mistake, knowing that he's a rookie. It's my take. So that's that's defensively, my, you know, the you know what I was referring to uh, as far as thumbs up, thumbs down. Overall, just not not a good performance by the Eagles at all. Um, game almost slipped away. It didn't. Again, I understand the Eagles won, but. You know, in this program, when it's time to be critical, as you guys have been with me for a while as a listener, no, I'm not going to hold any punches back. 
You know, this is one of the benefits of me. I don't work for the Eagles. I'm not working for any establishment where I have to, you know, have protocols where I can't call people out or give you my 100% take on these games. You're going to get the true feedback here, um, uncensored, and, you know, might be difficult to hear at times. But I think that's what the uh, really the whole purpose of this podcast is. So you're going to get you know, a real live reaction, um, unfiltered, uh, from a fan's perspective. That's really the genesis of Philadelphia Eagles talk with Jeff. So now what I'm going to do at this point is I'm going to play and I'm going to talk about Sirianni, uh, and my big, huge issue I had with him in this game. And, and you guys know, if, if you that may be a new listener, I am a big Sirianni fan. I like him as a coach. I really do. But when he does something, and he does at times, that really is just a, I don't know if it's a lack of experience or just boneheaded uh, coaching decisions, I am going to call him out on it. And I have a major problem. My biggest issue with him in this game outside of the whole starting your starters in the preseason get to get him some reps. That's another side issue I already talked enough about. In this game, there was a point in the game, I think it was still 25 to 20, somewhere around there. I think it was. I don't remember the exact score at the time, but it was later in the game. The Eagles had a drive. Yeah, that's right. They were They were trying to run out the clock, and they needed a first down to basically end the game on their own with the ball. You guys remember this. So it was probably with like three or four minutes left in the game. So the Eagles had the ball, and they are purposely being conservative, which that was the first issue that I had with Sirianni, is that he was just way too conservative. Just handed the ball off three times, and then was going to punt it, or so I thought, with just over two minutes left. But what does he do after running three times, which didn't get anywhere? I think, uh, you know, maybe they got a one or two yards. And the third run was uh, was another keeper by Jalen Hurts. So three conservative runs. Now, I know you want to run out the clock, but you also want to end the game. You don't want to give the ball back, especially. And this is the point that I'm making that really is the reason why you don't play conservative. Sirianni, you don't want to give the ball back to the Patriots in a half where the Eagles' defense was on the field almost the entire half. Really, since the entire uh, since the end of the first quarter, the Eagles' defense was on the field. It seemed like ninety percent of the time they were gassed, especially in the fourth quarter, because again, first game of the year, none of them played during the preseason, and the Eagles' defense it seemed was on the field the entire second half because the Eagles offense went three and out at one time, I think four, at least three or I know definitely for three and maybe four straight possessions went three and out where it also seemed like the Eagles, I'll get to this, I guess now before I get back to the Sirianni, Brian Johnson just seemed to be calling the same play. I swear like eight times in a row. I swear, it felt like it anyway, where every play 
was either a read option to the right where he would either hand it off to Gainwell for two yards or whatever. Gainwell didn't really run well. Or he would obviously, you know, Hertz would keep the ball and run, try to get some yards or look down the field, rolling out to the right, which I've talked about in the past with Hertz, rolling out to the right all the time, which he got away from last year. He did a lot in his rookie season. But I saw it all again this past week, this game. Everything was rolling out to the right. And a smart defensive-minded coach like Belichick knows that that's what Hertz wants to do. Roll out to the right, try to find either running with it or find somebody open downfield. Now, Belichick's not going to let him get away with that, and he didn't. And there was hardly ever anybody open, and those plays all died. But I, I but the it just seemed like Brian Johnson kept calling the same freaking play. There was a period in the game where it really felt like he called the same play like eight or nine times in a row. Like, what are you doing? Where's your creativity? You guys have had the whole offseason. It looked like such a as, as vanilla and offensive play calling as you would call in the preseason. What the heck are you doing? I was this is at the point of the game where I was screaming at the freaking TV. And peaking my frustration with the game in, in total. I couldn't believe it. Like, what are you guys doing? And where is Goddard in his game plan? They showed a few times, at least, two or three times, they showed on the TV where Goddard is waving his hand. He's wide. There's nobody within 15 yards of him downfield, down the middle of the field. He's wide open. They're not even covering him. And Hertz is going to try to make, you know, one of his sideline throws or try to run with the ball. Uh, where was Goddard? You have a guy who is a potential pro bowling talent at tight end. How is he not part of the game plan? I know I'm going off on a tangent here because I want to get back to Sirianni, but Sirianni is part of this, obviously. How do you not, how do you go an entire game and throw one ball to Goddard? And that wasn't even until like the fourth quarter. And that was down the sideline, not down the middle, where he's been open the whole game. And just to me, it's inexcusable. I, I I don't know how you don't have Goddard in the game plan. Or if he's not in the game plan, why Hertz is not looking for him? Why is he not reading the defense? You know, Hertz did not play a good game. As you can tell, I have not talked about him much at all. He had some good throws. He didn't play a terrible game. And I know the elements, again, I'm going to grade on a curve because it was pretty sloppy, especially throwing conditions. So I'm not going to, you know, pounce on Hertz. I don't think he did bad. Fortunately, Hertz is very smart. He doesn't, you know, force throws. And if there's no play to be made, he's smart with it and just gets rid of the ball. And he was very smart and even when he ran the ball, just getting down. He didn't take they didn't take too many hits. The only hit he really took is when he fumbled. Now he's got to start doing better holding onto the ball when he's running because, again, you know, he had a critical fumble that allowed the Patriots to get as close as they did in this game. And these type of things are what happens when they don't play the entire preseason. It just gets back to that again. So, yeah, I mean, why Goddard's not in the game playing at all makes absolutely no sense and is to me inexcusable. You got a big time weapon there, especially when the elements aren't good. You think it'd be easier to throw to the tight end than throwing downfield to your wide receivers. I, I don't know. I don't know why they didn't even 
go to Goddard at all, especially, I mean, what's happening during, don't they have the immediate, unlike the old days when I first watched football, these guys get instant, you know, video on their little mini pads or whatever, their tablets on the sideline. They immediately should know, hey, Goddard was freaking open 20 yards down the field. Next series of downs, man, let's go to him. Why isn't that kind of communication happening? Where is that? That's just like the coaching really got an F for me. All the coaches, again, especially especially for, except I should say, special teams. And hopefully we could say that all year because the special teams is my biggest concern on this team, as I've mentioned. Except for Jake Elliott, of course. I got the almost confidence in him. But the punting game and coverage game and return game, I think, leave a lot to be desired. But they played well. I'm not going to, you know, they, they deserve their props. Special teams is the reason they won this game. Along with Slay, they obviously needed his pick six as well to win the game. Because their offense did absolutely nothing. And I blame the coaching, especially the coaching. I blame the coaching more than I do the players. That's why I'm not killing Hurts or anyone else on offense. I'm not. I am going after the coaches for that performance. That's on the coaches. Sunday's offensive performance is on the coaches. Brian Johnson and Sirianni. Get back to Sirianni now. Getting back to that conservative, trying to run out the clock or whatever, possession there, just over two minutes left in the game when Eagles had the ball. So getting back to that, because I just went off on a major tangent, but there's other areas I wanted to cover as well. But getting back to that, because I'm going to play Sirianni's postgame press conference here in a second. Um, so they, they run the ball conservatively three straight times. The third one of which was another keeper by Hertz. So you think, okay, he's going to play conservative and totally didn't agree with it that they didn't go for the first down, but okay. They're going to play conservative. Fine. Don't like it, but all right. That's just the strategy he decided to do. But what does he do on fourth down and two? He goes for it in his own territory in a game that is 25 to 20. And after the Eagles have given up two straight touchdowns. Maybe out of the last three drives or three possessions, they give up two touchdowns. And one of them being like within two minutes, like two minutes time. They just marched all the way down the field and scored. What are you doing? That is the point where I hit my climax of frustration. I was livid when I saw Sirianni do it. I could not believe what I was seeing, that he would run conservative, which I was already pissed at not trying to get the first down. He's just going to try to run the clock down and give the Patriots the ball with just over two minutes by punting it is what I thought. But no, he plays conservative and then decides on fourth and two, not fourth and inches, not even fourth and one, fourth and a long two to go for it with a team that hasn't been able to even move the ball the whole game. And if you don't get it, you're giving the Patriots the ball inside your own 50-yard line with two minutes to go, and I think they had two timeouts, maybe three timeouts, but they had a lot of timeouts. 
one of the most dumbest boneheaded decisions I have ever seen from any coach, let alone an Eagles coach. I could not believe what Sirianni did there. That is inexcusably horrible coaching. Terrible. And I just gave the reasons why. They weren't moving the ball. It's not like the offense was playing well all game and moving the ball down the field. They were not. The Patriots on the other end, their offense was going big time in the fourth quarter with ease moving the ball on the Eagles. Another reason why you punt it or go for the first down to begin with, but at least punt it. Down the field, make him drive the field. But he goes for it on fourth and two. And of course, the Eagles don't go anywhere. It's an incomplete pass. They give the Patriots the freaking ball with over two minutes to go. So they have the two-minute warning to stop it. And I can't remember if they had three timeouts, but they know they had at least two timeouts. I think they had three. I think they had all of them. Unbelievably dumb coaching decision. And that just absolutely ticked me off. And that is the main reason why I was so disappointed in this game and so disappointed in Sirianni and why this game felt like a loss. So how I'm going to end this podcast here today, I'm going to take you through the last few minutes here and listen to Coach Sirianni's uh, after-game press conference, and I will pause it occasionally to give my two cents on his responses, okay? So with that, uh, let's hear from Coach Sirianni. Start us off, Jeff. Yeah, so um, was offensively, was it the Patriots or was it you guys? Yeah, I think, you know, that's a good defense. That's a really good defense. They're really well coached. Like, I, there was a couple that I've seen Smitty, like, little, like, throws on the sideline where I've seen Smitty get out of those and spin out of those, and they made really good tackles. That that team, I mean, shoot, uh, Bill Belichick coach team, um, it, it, it's going to be well coached, and I, and I thought that's what exactly what it was. Now, was it our cleanest performance offensively? No. Um, we have a lot of mistakes to uh, to clean up, and we got a short time to, to do so, but – all right, let me just comment here real quick. He's absolutely right. You know, Bill Belichick team is going to be well-coached all the way around, especially defensively. So, again, more reason why you don't go for it on fourth down late in the game. And prior to that, you go for the first down so you don't give them the ball back. But he didn't either. I mean, not that he didn't either, but he obviously went for it on fourth down rather than kicking the ball. Um, shoot, you know, I thought that we just didn't finish some drives. We got in a rut a little bit in the second, in the first or second quarter, part of me, um, and then didn't finish some drives late in the game. Um, but uh, you know, and Jake did a really good job of uh, you know we had a lot of confidence in Jake to kick the field goals uh, to put us up a couple scores. But I, I just ton of respect. There's a lot of lot of good players on that on that Patriot defense. Also, uh, you know, starting with Judon and you know they just they all play they all play really solid football. I got a lot of respect for that team. You mentioned the run there in the second quarter. It seemed pretty run heavy at that time. Um, was that part of the run? Was what was the, the thing that we ran? Just. That was, you know, it was hard. It was hard to get. It was just hard. We were we weren't winning on first down, and we were getting ourselves in the second down, and that and that's on everybody, right? That's on the the 
us putting in the player first of all first and foremost us putting the players in position to succeed and then us being able to execute and so the rut was just that we weren't winning on first and second down um and getting ourselves in the third and third down uh and law and not manageable um and so you know again you know some of it was you know the run game and some of it was the pass game and, and it was it was i think it was equally i got to look at the game obviously uh to have a better answer for you but i thought it was a little bit of both that we struggled in both parts of that game right there and that start again like i said it starts with us myself and brian uh putting them in the right positions to succeed which they didn't do okay i mean that's the point there they did not put the eagles in positions to succeed they ran the ball way too much and they weren't running it effectively, so change it up. Do something different. Like I said, I mentioned earlier, it felt like there was a point in the game, and it, I don't think it just felt like it. It actually did. Or at least I can't tell you what the exact play they had, but it felt and looked like they ran the same play about eight times in a row. So, continuing on with Sirianni. Sit down uh, and make a shot penny inactive today. Uh, you know, there, there was just a number count. I mean, you saw that, you know, I, I don't ever want to come out of a game where DeAndre Swift has only one, two touches either. Um, and so, you know, we were where we were with numbers and some some of the things, we, you know, our first three guys in, through camp or those three guys uh, that dressed. And so, um, you know, like I said, with Boston to have four backs up when Boston and uh, and Rashad or pardon me and uh, DeAndre both only had one carry. You know, we got to play that number game. So I didn't talk much about that, but I didn't have a – I'm not going to go lose it like a lot of Eagle fans did with uh, the fact that Penny did not suit up. I think that's – they're going to probably do matchups like that throughout the year uh, where depending on who they're – whatever defense they're playing, they may sit Penny and they may not, or they may sit Swift and may not. I think Gainwell is pretty much going to be playing regardless, uh, or they may sit Scott and they may not, that type of thing. Um, so I'm not going to have much of a problem with that, but they definitely should have between the backs that they did have. I mean, it's seemed that pretty much Gainwell got most of the carries. Uh, and you heard him say that they only handed off to Swift once. I mean, that that's not right. I mean, he, Swift, as he's in there, he's got to get the ball more than once. So that's just bad, again, bad game planning and bad play calling. So I, I totally agree with that, but I don't care so much that Penny uh, was not – in the game, but I have a feeling that Kent Penny is probably going to be in the lineup on, on Thursday night. We'll, uh, we'll see if that's the, the case or not. All right, continue on with coach. Swift, uh, Goddard only had one target. Were they yeah. doing something to take him away or was he just not part of things? You know, sometimes it's going to be, sometimes it's going to, you know, this reminds me a lot of last year against the, the Lions. Smitty had no catches against the Lions last year. This, this, this year it was, it was Dallas, uh, you know, we can't go a game without getting him the football. He's too good of a playmaker. But there were some things that the Patriots did that made it difficult uh, for us to be able to get him some quick, easy touches. Uh, uh, that's wrong, Coach Sirianni. And I can't – maybe it's because he hasn't watched the tape yet where he can make a comment like that. But, you know, you would think he would have known during the game how wide open – again, where's the communication? That Goddard was wide open two or three times in the game when no one was covering him down the field. So, you know, I don't know if that's just coach speak there, which drives me nuts. I don't know why Coach Seriani can't just say, yeah, you know what? We missed Goddard wide open down the field a few times. I don't know why he can't just say that. Maybe he really, for whatever reason, did not get word that how open Goddard was. We know at this point that he didn't have a chance to watch the tape yet. But if they ask him this question again prior to the Minnesota game, 
after he's watched the tape and he's got a similar response like this, then he's just lying flat out. Continuing on. You know, so, you know, that happens. And so some of the plays that you think that you can get easy touches for your guys, um, you know, quick, um, don't necessarily happen for your backs and tight ends when you play a Patriot-style defense. And so, again, hats off to them. Uh, they made it hard for us to get the ball to our playmakers, and that's what that's what a, a you know a defense like that usually does is take away your try to take away your good playmakers. So we had to get it to the other guys. Brian, how did he do? First time play call. I thought he was awesome. I thought he I thought he adjusted. Um, you know, we're always taught. You know, communication was great. Um, I didn't feel the operation problems on the offensive side. Um, we had some operation problems uh, elsewhere, um, which I'm sure you all will ask me about. But I thought Brian was completely – Brian's Brian's cool and calm and just got a great demeanor about himself. I thought he called a great game. I thought he, um, you know, made some adjustments in the second half um, to, to throw it a little bit more, uh, knowing that we were struggling in the run game. And that was, you know, and, you know, it, we're, we're going to – if we throw it 20 times in a row, it's because that's what we think the, the right thing to do if we run it. Where do I start with that response? Because that is 100% BS. Look, Seriani, Brian Johnson called a horrible game. Horrible game. Now, he's not going to bury his new offensive coordinator. I get that. And I'm not looking for him to do that. But... Us as fans know that he called a horrible game. And if you go out there, like he just said, and he's thought he's called it awesome, he used the word awesome. I mean, that is just, you lose credibility when you answer a question like that, that is so obvious that this play calling was terrible. I'll leave it at that. 20 times in a row. Um, that's what we think the right things to do. And Brian, you know, and that's conviction. And I thought Brian had conviction today. And I was really happy with the way uh, he performed. Uh, Brian performed as the offense coordinator today. Nick, uh, I'm calling uh, Jalen has not played in a real game since February 12th. Do you think that had anything to do? He's, we know he's better than that today. Do you think that had anything to do with it kind of shaking off? I'll definitely, I'll definitely reevaluate some of the preseason stuff next year. Um, you know. Thank you. Thank you. I really hope that he does because, and this is why I like Seriani, and I'm really hoping he remembers this. And you'll hear him say in a minute that he is one of the notes that he made without even being prompted by the media about that exact question and about my concerns that I pointed out earlier in this podcast about playing the damn starters during the preseason. It sounds like it's, uh, you know, he doesn't guarantee it, which bothers me that he, you know, but I get it. He's got to do his whole assessment and everything. But I really hope, and it does sound as if he's going to rethink that next season. But uh, continuing on. You know, the uh, I know they played the first two years uh, that we, we were here. They only played one series against the Jets in 2022. You know, maybe I should have played them, you know, the, a series or two uh, this preseason. And, and I already wrote that in my notes. And um, I'm constantly self-evaluating myself and, you know, you know, and I'm not promising anything. And I know you, I know y'all will remember this conversation and play it, uh, and that's okay. Um, but I have to, uh, I'll reevaluate that. And, and you know, yeah, second thought. If I, you know, if I had to do it over again right now, I would say, yeah, I, I would have played the starters one or two drives in the in the preseason. But you know, next year will be a, a new thing um, with new situations and new. Um, you know, new, new everything. So I, I'm not worrying about that right now. I just got in my notes to think about right now, though. 
on the fourth and two at the two-minute mark? What made you want to keep your offense on the field, and why was that the play call? Yeah, um, again, we just try to give them options in situations like that. Uh, I guess it, it, it really the, the – What options is he talking about? This The question was, if you didn't hear it, what went, was behind your conservative play with just over two minutes left in the game? That's what I pointed out, that drive that drove me nuts. And here's uh, – I'll let, I'll let it play out as the rest of his response. Uh, the word, again, I'm going to say is conviction. Um, conviction that our offense is going to succeed. The conviction of a stupid decision. I'm fine with having conviction. But, man, if you're going to have conviction of a dumb decision, then you better hear the blowback because of it. Because that was a dumb, the dumbest decision, Sirianni. Dumb. I'm conviction that we'll, we'll call the right play to put them in position to, to make a play. And conviction, if we don't, that our defense will, will get a stop. You know, I, Your defense that was completely gassed in the fourth quarter, which is another reason why you don't go for it and you punt the ball down the field. There's a little bit. I know I'm going to hear it from my dad when I get on the phone with him when I, we land in I hope your dad gave you as hard of a time as I am on this podcast. Philadelphia, and I'm driving back to my home. I'm going to call my dad. I'm going to wake him up, and I know exactly what he's going to say. That exact question you just asked me right there. So I better have an answer for him, too. Um, yeah. It, you better have a better answer for your dad than what you just gave the press. Yes, it is. I was convicted there. Um, you know, it didn't work. Uh, it didn't work. Sometimes that's going to happen. Um, that you make that call that you feel good about, but it's about the process that you put to get to that position. That there wasn't a hesitation in my mind because we've put ourselves in that scenario in the film room all week. You know, we didn't, we didn't. Yeah, you may have put yourself in the, that situation in the film room all week, but there's circumstances of how the game has been playing out that you have to consider. Just because you practiced it or had the simulation of this circumstance late in the game, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you got to factor in exactly what I talked about. Your defense is completely gassed. Your offense during the whole game has been stymied, not able to move the ball with any consistency outside of the first drive of the game. You have to factor those in to these discussions where you have so much, quote, unquote, conviction. Execute, um, you know, you know. On second thought, we got to get them in a, a little bit better play. You know, it's always we're always going to look at ourselves first. Um, but I was convicted in that. But, you know, kind of like I was convicted in accepting the penalty on four on fourth down when it was fourth and eleven to put them back because I didn't want them to get points on the board. Um, that would have gave them three uh, potentially right there. Um, uh, he doesn't really go through much more. Um, you know, the press conference pretty much ends after that. I just wanted to, you know, cover the uh, parts of the the press conference that. Um, that pertained to a lot of the talking points of this podcast. So, I mean, you know, like I said, I like Coach Seriani, um, but man, I think I responded to his uh, response to the questions um, to you, so you understand where I'm coming from and why I'm coming from where I'm coming from. <laughs> That's a lot of coming froms and. In about 10 seconds. Um, so anyway, listen, bottom line, Eagle fans, is this. We got to win, okay? Wins, you take whatever way you get them in the NFL. Eagles did not make this one pretty at all. Um, this is a team they should have won by at least a couple touchdowns. They are that much better than the Patriots. Now the Patriots, they might be better this year. Again, when it's this early in the season – Maybe the Patriots are not going to be as bad as we think they are. I mean, I think Mac Jones played pretty well. Now, I think he, the Eagles gave him a lot of space for those underneath passes. 
but he threw accurately and he hung in there. And, um, you know, so any Patriots fans that may be tuning in, you know, Mac Jones might, might be okay going forward. I know it's been a lot of, you know, speculation about, you know, who should start and if Mac Jones is the right guy there. I mean, he, he showed me enough, uh, in that game to at least think he's, he's good. I don't know if he's going to ever be great. And of course he's filling in, you know, big shoes with Brady being gone. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of pressure on him, but, you know, I thought he, he played pretty well. Um, and defensively, you know, the, the defense is good. I, you know, Patriots always have a good defense. There's one thing you can always count on when you're playing the Patriots is it's going to be a, a well-coached defense, and they also have players on defense. And right now they have more players on defense than they do offensively. Um, so, uh, by the way, I think I got it wrong. The sack that uh, – or not – the play, rather, that Jordan Davis had knocked the fumble was on Zeke Elliott. Um, I might have made it sound like it was um, Mac Jones that fumbled the ball on like a snap, you know, a sack or something. But it was actually a carry by Zeke Elliott where uh, Jordan Davis punched the ball out. So, uh, again, there was positives in this game. Not a lot, but there were some. Um, but I just hope, and, and it gives me hope, that Sirianni is going to at least rethink playing the starters in the preseason. Uh, you know, you can't coddle these players. I mean, look, I mean – Look what just happened to Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, he didn't play at all in the preseason. And, I mean, again, I can't say that with 100% accuracy, but if he did play, you know, would he play a series, a couple snaps? I mean, who knows? Bottom line is I doubt that he, they played him, but if the Jets did play him at all, it was very minimal, and I'm sure they probably didn't play him at all. And he goes out in the fourth snap of his career with the Jets. He tears his Achilles tendon and is done for the season. You know, football is a contact sport. And that is the reason why you need to play. That's the ironic thing. That's another reason. That's the reason why you need to play your starters in the preseason. So they get used to contact. So they get used to football. So it's not the first time they get hit and the first time they're playing really with live bullets in September. That's why you do it. Yes. Is there always a chance somebody can get hurt? Yes. Because this is football. This isn't golf. It's just part of the game. I mean, yes, it would suck if you played Jalen Hurts in the preseason and he gets hurt. I get it. I get it. But I asked that question earlier in the season, earlier in this podcast, rather. Do you think there are a better chance or risk of a player getting injured when him and his fellow starters don't play at all in the preseason and starting at first or second, you know, one first or second game in September, do you think there's an enhanced risk then of an injury because they're all getting hit for the first time and mistakes going to happen because they're not used to getting hit or playing live? Or do you think there's maybe a less bit of risk because the starters are all ready and they know their assignments and they're ready, they're used to getting hit and they've played some? My answer would be that there's a better chance of injury if they had not played in the preseason, which right now is the Eagle strategy, but it's one that Sirianni looks like he's going to reevaluate. And I'm thankful, like I said, for that, because I think it needs to happen. I think the Eagles need to reevaluate that. And I think they need to fix that and address that and get their starters out there. 
So the Eagles play now on Thursday night. So that's coming up quick. They're going to be without N'Kobe Dean. So it's going to be interesting to see who's going to be their starting linebacker. Probably going to be Ellis. The Eagles did uh, sign Rashad, Rashid Evans, rather, uh, former first-round pick of the Titans. But I don't know how good this guy is, former first-round pick. He seems to have had some decent seasons in the league, but this guy's out there for a reason. I mean, he's unsigned, wasn't even on a practice squad, from my understanding. So, I mean, can you count on this guy? I, I don't know. But at least they get another body in here. Murrow's on the practice squad. You expect him to be called up. Ellis would probably be the one that slides in for, for Dean, who was, by the way, put on the uh, injured reserve. So he's out for at least four weeks. And Cunningham, you know, by the way, struggled in the game coverage-wise. Coverage-wise, the Eagles linebackers were horrible. Uh, but he struggled, and he got banged up too a little bit. So, you know, it's going to be Ellis in there more than likely here on um, on Thursday night against a much, much higher-powered Viking offense. Um, so the challenge will be there. The challenge will be there on Thursday night, and we will be here to preview the game on well, tomorrow. I guess it'll be uh, tomorrow night. So there'll be another podcast following this one, so make sure you you don't miss out and, uh, and, and miss that podcast. So thank you again. Again, I apologize for the late post-game, but hopefully you got a lot out of that, and I gave you a lot of good information and insight. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow as we preview the Thursday night game versus the Vikings, the Eagles' home opener for the season. We got to win. Hey, listen, guys and gals, we got to win. That's the most important thing. Don't don't think I ever, you know, forget that fact. Uh, but anyway, we'll be back. Until then, fly goes fly, and we'll see you tomorrow. Take care.